Okay, fine. Baruch Hashem, such a schus that we have. Such a schus that we have to try to learn together the Torahs of the Tzaddik. Just as Yartzeit this past uh, this past Tuesday, Gimel Elul, <coughs> and I and I believe Ben Munishleim that he has tremendous naches that a couple of American Jews are trying to figure out what he's saying, and that we have a, an Aliyah and his chaskas even when we don't understand everything, we're trying. Everything with Rav Cook is. Different. It's just different. It's different. One of the chavers sent me a sent me a tape, which of course doesn't work on my phone because my phone doesn't do that. But then I sent it to my wife, and uh, from 1959, 1959, and Rabbi Yeshaber of Salavetsi, was talking about Rav Cook. He was also, everything about him was different. And the main point that Rabbi Yashabir was making was that he cannot come to a, a clear understanding of a systematized mahalach in the machshava of Rav Kook. Now you all know that Rav Salvech was a very, very bright person. And, and that magnificent mind of Rav Salvechik, or at least he said that he couldn't, maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure I believe that, but he said that he couldn't come to a clear mahalach in Rav Kook's machshava. That's what Yosheber said. And it's very, very hard. Many people have tried to try to have tried to put it into categories and to make it neat and clear and so on, as opposed to like a million atom bombs all over the place. And uh, and and Rabbi Yosheber said he couldn't do that because he said the Iker of Rav Kook, the Iker of Rav Kook is not his philosophy. Although the the the, the machshav is deep, 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 but that's not the ikir. What Rabbi Yosheber, the, the words that he used was that the ikir of Rav Kook was he was a religious personality. Now, what that means, he gave an example of an experience that he himself had of Soloveitchik. I thought you would find this interesting. Some of you heard this. There was a t- there's a tape. It's going around him. So I never know what these things were until they come out. I don't know. An actual tape of Rabbi Yosheber talking about this is something special. So, he said, Rabbi Yosheber said that when he was in Israel, in the 30s, he actually gave a shear in Merkaz Rav Kook. He gave a shear. The whole Yushalayim came to that. It was a big thing. Rabbi Biska's <coughs> grandson, the famous Ilui from from, uh, from the Mishpacha, was gave a shear in, in, the, in the yeshiva, in, in the yeshiva's Merkaz Rav, and other places as well. So, when he was next to Israel, there were some people that brought him to see what life was like in some of the kibbutzim. He calls them kibbutzim. And some of the kibbutzim, to go see. And he was in a non-religious kibbutz. You know, the non-religious kibbutzim in Israel said, the mamish not religious. Now it's already a little bit different, but then it was mamish. If it was not religious, it was not religious. It was not religious. So... They took a Yosheber to see, to admire the kind of work that they're doing. And, and he said the people were not particularly uh, impressed with an American rabbi coming, you know. And they weren't particularly impressed or interested in rabbis. But they were hospitable. They were nice. And they, they offered him something to eat. And Yosheber said, I'm eat chazetreif by these people. I'm not going to eat any tarifas by these people. You can't eat by them. So they offered him some grapes. And Rabbi Yosheber said, 
I can't have any grapes. They said, why can't you have any grapes? So he said, because there's Ezzesol and there's Trumus and Heises. You know, I can't eat the grapes. <clears throat> so then they said, well, you know, they, they, they said to him, you know, the Rabbanut actually comes, and they take off, you have, somebody comes and takes off Trumus and Heises. They do that. So the, so the Rav was very surprised. He said, yeah. And then they told him, by the way, our kitchen, our kitchen happens to be a kosher kitchen over here. So, so Rabbi Yoshev said, what? You have a kosher kitchen? These are places that are so far away from anything. You can't even understand, unless you know this, what it was like. They're so far from anything with Yiddishkeit. And there's no shul in these places, there's nothing. <clears throat> so Rabbi Yoshev said, you have a kosher kitchen? How do you have a kosher kitchen? So there was a person there, remember this is, this is a long time ago, so there was a person that said, because of Rav Kook. So, they, so Rabbi Yeshiva says, Rav Kook, what happened? So he said that, that many years ago, <coughs> Rav Kook came to this, to our kibbutz, he came for a Shabbos. And he came with a little peckle that he brought of challah and wine. His own challah, he wouldn't eat any. His own challah and wine. And Friday night, he wanted to be with us. He, he just came to be with us. And he had, he made kiddush, we don't have, and he made kiddush, and he had a challah, he wouldn't eat anything else, didn't eat anything. And he was with us on Shabbos, and he fabranged with us. And then, same thing Shabbos morning, he just took out his little rolls, and he made Kiddush, and he didn't eat anything else. Not even grapes either, <coughs> nothing. Didn't eat anything. And then Mr. Shabbos had Malam Malka, same thing. And then we, were ha- we had music, you know, the Kibbutzim, they liked, they, they got together, they had music, and, and Rav Cook came with us, and he told us stories, and he sat with us, and he fabranged with us. And then it came time for him to leave. I know it was once a Shabbos afterwards, a Sunday morning. So it came time for him to leave. And he davened in his room. There was no shul. He davened the whole time by himself. And when it came time for him to, to leave, so he was, it was very warm. We all were very close to him. He felt very close. And he said to us, like, you know, we'll see, we should see each other. And we're going to be able to eat together the next time. That's what Cook said. And afterwards, right afterwards, we decided that we were bringing in guys and we cashed the whole kitchen. We cashed the whole kitchen. And ever since then, he said, it's already a long time ago, ever since then, since that, that Shabbos we have cooked, everything here is kosher. So Rabbi Yosheba explained, like you see in Chumash, at the end of Shmois in particular, you see in the Napash Shmini that when the Shechina came, like by the Mishkan, right, with the cloud, so Vayaron, Vayipolo, everybody like fell on their faces. So Rabbi Yeshiva said, it's interesting, the Barsham didn't say anything. He didn't give a drasha, he didn't give some kind of a schmooze, he didn't say over, you know, uh, he, didn't, he didn't say over a Torah from Rabbi Nachman and, and, and play a Kalabach nigan. it was nothing. I mean, obviously the Rav didn't say those words. He did, but Hashem didn't speak to them, he didn't say a word. So, what happened? Like everybody's like everybody's falling on their faces and getting from <laughs> what happened? So he said it was the presence of the Shrin, the presence of God. It was the presence of God. Didn't have to say a word, just his presence. So the Rabbi Yoshebe said that was Rav Kook. I don't he said, I don't know what he's talking about hundred percent with his philosophy, with all of these things. But he was such a person. He was a really a religious personality. When he came someplace, then God was in that place. And Rav, and Rav Salvation was, the, 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 was explaining that's what, what led to this whole, why did he mention Rav Kook? Because Rav, Rav Yosheba was talking about how the, we're, we're missing that in our times. We have people that could say over good shiurim, and they know Torah, and they could say over nice things about Yiddishkeit, but we're missing Rav Kook. That's what he was saying. That person who walks in that kind of a person who walks in, and when he walks in, it's like the Shechina comes into the room, and you know, that feeling like, wow, there is a God. Not because somebody proved it to me, <coughs> not because somebody explained to me, or somebody, you know, or like they say, that the make fun, that how do the, how the Litvaks know that God exists, because when the Rambam says there's a God, the Raiva didn't argue with him. <laughs> so it's a Raya that there's a God. Because you see, the Raiva didn't say anything, so it must be there's a God. That's you, you. You could you could you could keep Torah mitzvahs that way, but you know, so Yiddishkeit is this. You know. 
So Rabbi Yashabir was complaining about this. They were missing this now. We're missing Rav Cook. And I heard this for the outside, and I had such a sorrows from this because I miss Rav Cook. I never met him. I never met him. I, I, I dream about him. That must he completely takes over, took over many years ago my, my, my head and my heart of Cook. And we have a schus. I don't know how many chaburis there are in America. Even in HSL, it's picking up. But in America, I don't know how many chaburis there are in America that are learning, that are learning of Cook's tires. And it's a schus that we have. Hashem. It's a schus that we have. And, and we shouldn't take that lightly. It's an important thing. So we're learning the amazing collection of Torahs from Reb Shaila, from the from the Pisets and his brother Reb Shaila, which we spoke a lot about at the beginning last year before we started. How this is so beautiful and so sweet. How it brings <coughs> together these worlds and how and our little bismedrash here, the world of Pisets and Rav Cook, come together in this sefer Eretz Chayfetz, where Reb Shaila, who was a makur of the Rav Cook. Rav Kook adored Rav Shaila Shapiro, that he gathered together tires. But as we spoke about last year, a lot of it is incomplete because there wasn't that much yet that was out. It was during Rav Kook's life. And there wasn't yet what we have. We have Baruch Hashem much more. So we can fill in with things. So there are sometimes only fragments of tires. And we try to pick up on them and to learn whatever we're able to understand. So we're, we're up to we're up to Perik Dalid Seif Hey, which in uh, in the old edition is page Mem. I don't know in the little one that you have what it is, huh? Samach Beis. So we have to keep in mind whenever we learn of Cook, this Yisoyed that we just spoke about from Rabbi Yashabir, that even though we might not always get it right, because I'm always afraid of that, we might not be getting it right, and that's why I always encourage you that if you have a different take on it, please, because it's always Beterosophic. Be- be- I'm, I'm just suggesting an interpretation, or even a translation, but I'm always happy to hear what you're thinking. But even if we don't always understand everything, but to try to feel that we're... I think that we can do that by now. Those who have been part of this, we learned our Shuvah together, that to feel that we're in the presence of, of the Shrina. I think that's something that we could all... From each of the tires, even though we might not always get every prat, and I can't explain it, but it still makes us want to cash our kitchens, you know what I mean? Somehow, even if you don't understand it, there are other people you can go to and you can hear a five-hour shear and cash from your kitchen, and then you just people walk out and they just want to have McDonald's, you know? <laughs> and then there's a rough cook that you might not know what he's talking about, or he doesn't even say anything, and you want to cash your kitchen. And if you want to cash your kitchen, you certainly want to cash yourself. It's not enough to have a kosher kitchen, you want to make yourself kosher. That's the tzaddik that we're talking about. That's what we're learning from such a tzaddik. That when you, that when you pick up here and there... Uh, a word or two, you want to you want to be better. <clears throat> you, know, you can't always explain like why is it? What did he say? What what is it about that, that that changed anything? What do you now understand differently than you understood before? So you ask Akasha. So you could ask Akasha also when the Shechina came by the Mishkan. What happened? Who? What did they explain to you? The Shechina told you something. You spoke to God. What did he tell you? Explained to you what the Indian of Hashras Shechina is. Explained to you the Machlokes between the Rishonim of Hashras Shechina. No, Hashem didn't say a word. He was just there. And when he shows up, it, it, it makes an impression. And there are some tzaddikim that when you learn that Torah, you feel that God's showing up. He's not just talking about God, but he came together with him into the room. That's a beginning. When God comes into the room and you feel, he's always in the room, but you don't always feel it. But when, when we learn Rav Kook, there's a feeling that God is in the room. And, and, and we don't always have to understand what he's saying, but just to experience it. It's an experience. So we're up to see if, hey. Oh, 
all of that was my way of telling you that I don't know what he's talking about over here. <laughs> no, maybe a little bit. We'll try. We'll try to understand. Ba'avir Deret Yisrael. When we breathe the air of Eretz Yisrael. When we just breathe the air. Ba'avir Deret Yisrael. Efshel is halach b'machshove muvshetes. In Yisrael, one is able to go with a with more of an abstract way of thinking. And I've told you many times that this this transition, this change from the concrete to the abstract is felt very, very clearly when one learns Rav Cook's earlier writings that were written when he was still in Chutzlaretz. And then when you learn Rav Cook's Torahs from Eretz The Torahs that are written in Chutzlaretz, that we have from Chutzlaretz, in the journals that, that he was putting out, and in the Einayod, the Agadites, and there's some other Ksavim that we have from earlier Pinkas, some they were earlier, we now have Rosh Hashem, some new things that, oh, the new old things, the past few years, Ksavim that we have when he was in Boisk, when he was in Europe. They're much, much more concrete. They're more concrete. They're, they're not as abstract. The Ksavim of Eretz once he started to breathe in the air of Eretz then the, the machshava becomes much more of a machshava mufshetes. Mufshetes means abstract. It also, I guess, could be explained in a way that it's unfettered. There's a word like that, right? Mm-hmm. <coughs> when something is not mufshat, it means it's calculated. Which normally is a good way to, it's a good way to, to, to think. And we should have calculated thoughts. And before we say anything, and certainly before you write anything, people put things on emails that's shocking. And before they press the button, they should have thought a little bit, you know. It used to be you had to write something, and, and, and after you wrote a few sentences, you could see what a shaita you were, right? <laughs> so Because you, you, it took time, so you're writing something, and you say, oh, oh I, I better not send that it's, but nowadays, and then after you say, oh, I'm such a shite. And by that time, it's already, what do they say, viral? Like there are four million people that says, oh, you're such a shite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the ones that don't say that, those are the bigger shite. And they say, oh, it's such a harsh of a thing. So when something is uh, calculated, it's not mufshat. It's calculated... It's worked out, the oisias, the letters, the words, sentences, paragraphs. You know, and I've mentioned this in the past, that one of the trademarks of Rav Cook's writings in Eretz Yisrael is that he never wrote anything, he never edited anything. It was completely not edited. Didn't erase, didn't rewrite, didn't edit. He finished it, and then the chever found stuff in drawers and in boxes. He didn't. He didn't uh, erase. He didn't erase. There's a story. Two of two of Rav Cook's greatest Talmidim was Rabbi Levine. You heard of right? The Tzaddik Mishalim. Everybody knows Rabbi Levine. And the Nazir of David Kahn. His son just was nifty, you know, Rabbi Shayoshev Khan was just nifty a few days ago. The Rav of Haifa, the Nazir's son, was just nifty. He was a, a very big Talmud So these were the two of the biggest Talmudim, the Nazir of David Khan and Rabbi. I don't remember exactly, but I think what happened was, and they were very close to each other. You know, the Nazir hardly spoke, and Rabbi was very, just the opposite, Rabbi was very friendly and talkative. So once Rabbi was walking, and the Nazir, and Rabbi found the Nazir was sitting, was sitting on a bench uh, with some papers. The Nazir always had papers. He, he would think of things, and he, was, he always had papers with them to write. 
And Rabbi uh, passed by, it was going over there, and he was very happy. He saw his friend the Nazir sitting there on the bench in the park somewhere. And Rabbi went over to him and said, No, Abdavid, what are you, Isaac, and what are you doing? So Rabbi didn't like to talk. So uh, the Nazir didn't like to talk so much. So Rabbi asked him again, No. So he said that when I was younger, this is what the Nazir said. I think I have this right. I have to maybe check. But I think this is right. You could probably find this online somewhere. I don't know. The Nazir and Abari. If you look up <laughs> Google, I don't know. But I think this is what happened. That the Nazir said to Abari, when I was a young man, I was just writing and writing and writing. Now that I'm an old man, I find myself writing and erasing. That's what he said. Mm. Writing and erasing. He said, "That's the that's the conversation." There's a certain way of thinking that borders on prophecy. Borders on prophecy. Yeshaya Hanavi didn't come home after a day of nevuah and and uh, hand it over to his publishers and his editors. You understand? Yeshaya Navi didn't rewrite. It came like that from Shemayim. Ruach HaKadosh, the Ksuvim, Dovin HaMelech, Shlom HaMelech, whatever that means, not going into right now. There's a very important Hagdama, the Radak has to tell him, and he explains all the Chilukim. Ruach HaKadosh is Machshavim of Shetis. It's unfettered. It's unfettered, and it's not concrete. It's the way it came hot off the press, straight out of the oven. Now, when, what the Nazi was saying is, now I'm erasing, because he, he was saying that it means many, could mean many things, that he doesn't have any more of that confidence that he had, or maybe the brazenness that he had on his level when he was a young man, that it was coming in such a way. So we have to erase. But <coughs> what Rav Kook is saying is that in the air of Eretz one can go with a machshavim of with thoughts that are unfettered, not chained. And, and because of that, they're much more abstract. And for outsiders, of course, it's unclear. It's harder, harder to understand. Laniach lasechel vahatsir lasleis es pulosam bimenucha. In Eitzesol, one can allow the seichel and the imagination, the tsiur, the images, the drawings, the imagination. Lasleis pulosam bimenucha to to do what they have to do bimenucha, without being fashtered. In other words, we don't have to get in the way. The intellect doesn't have to, the calculating intellect, let's put it that way. The calculating intellect doesn't have to get in the way to spoil the mahalach of the unfettered machshavas and demyoinus. Therefore, they can do what they do. Those thoughts and the tzirim and the images in the avir of Eretz Yisrael, in the air, in the atmosphere in, in Eretz Yisrael, they can, they can do what they do b'menucha. Menucha means without conflict. Everybody, you, you, even in Chutzlars, because we'll talk about Chutzlars, he'll talk about Chutzlars in a second, because we could tap into this a little bit in You know, and if, you've all seen this, that if you sit down with a certain kind of a Jew... And you learn with him a piece of Kedusha's Levi. So and you're going like, Adi Yekelem, what the, that this Kedusha's Levi is like changing your life. And this guy says, well, I don't know what he's, talk- what he's talking about. Like, what is he saying? Like, Lemaise, what's he saying? Lemaise, what's he saying? Somebody once complained to me about, about my way of speaking, which I have there are a lot of good tainas about how I speak. Uh, that that and, and, and said that there's another there's a person who speaks is very he's actually a friend of mine is a wonderful person, and after he speaks, 
So he always he always sums it up and says, okay, so this is point one, point two, point three, point. So somebody said to me, you know, Rabbi Warmer would be very very helpful if you could do that because we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like at the end, like we walk out. So maybe at the end you could do what that rabbi does and just say, so you know, let's put it into one, two powerpoints, one, two, three, four. I said, I, I, I wish I could do that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. And when I try to, it's like uh, the story that I always tell you about Yogi Berra when he, when he was going through a slump, a batting slump, and it wasn't going well. So then they took him out of the lineup for a couple of weeks, and they, were, they gave him a, a big, big expert to work with him with his batting and to explain to him, you've got to look like this, you got to move your shoulder like that, you have to go, Yogi, you got to move your leg back. So then after they put him back in the lineup, it was much worse than before. It was terrible. He couldn't, you know, he just couldn't touch the ball. So the reporters asked Yogi Berra, like, and he was normally, he was a, you know, he was like a 285, 288 hitter. He was a good hitter. And they asked Yogi, like, what's the, it's worse. Ever since you studied with the, with the rabbi, you know, it's got worse. See, so Yogi Berra just said, I can't think and bat at the same time. <laughs> the guy messed me up totally. Ever since I'm a kid, I see a ball, I hit it. Like, I just swing at it. Now, this guy told me, you've got to hold your head, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you got to open. He said, I can't do that. He said, I'm just not like that. I just can't think about it. And I just got to, when it comes, I just swing at it. That's all I can do. <laughs> you just got to leave me alone. So I said, I said this, I said, I can't do that. I just got to swing at the ball. You know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I wish I could. I know it would be helpful to people. I'm sorry. I just, I don't work that, I don't work that way. It's, I'm not saying I'm proud of it. That's just, that, that's not my mitzvah. It's to work that way. So for some people it's not it's not good. I can't. I, I don't know. I know it would be so hard. I tried a few times to say it. So, so now to summarize, I, I tried to even like say like that, and to because a few people told me that it's and I try so, but it doesn't come out right. It doesn't work out. <clears throat> to put it into this or that, and <clears throat> there's a certain machshavim of shetas that a person tries to give over, and 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 in order for that to take place b'menucha b'menucha he's not talking about relaxing menucha here doesn't mean to relax menucha means without conflict without milchama and lahav that's what Yogi was saying he says like I just got to do this like I do this thing b'menucha this is just how I, I play as I you know I do this b'menucha and now you created noise in my head and there's something clashing with my menucha how I do this, and how I do this. He would try to explain to a little child that, that no, this is not how you hold the spoon. This is how adults hold the spoon, and you're holding the spoon, it's not the right way to hold the spoon. The kid looks, I mean, all I know is that this stuff, which I like, gets into my mouth this way. No, 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 but that's not, that way, that's not the way it should go into your mouth. There's a proper way that it should go into your mouth. There's a proper way. Well, I care if it's proper or not proper. This is the way it goes into my mouth. You're, you're, you're taking away my manucha, the kid says. Until now, I saw this and I put it in my mouth. And then he's saying, now I have to start thinking about how it goes into my mouth. It's not kishmak anymore. I'd rather not eat it, you know what I mean? It's not kishmak anymore. Chutzlaris is not kishmak. That's what Rav is saying. It sells kishmak. And the Geschmackkeit of Eretz Yisrael, for people like Rav Kook, not for everybody, obviously, but the Geschmackkeit that's available in Eretz Yisrael is that it's our natural place, and that's where we have our natural swing. And therefore, the Machshav is that don't have to be calculated. They don't have to be summarized, you know, and calculated and worked out, like this or like that. Even though there's a mile to that, there's always a mile to things being, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying I understand that there's a mile to that. And I appreciate that when people do that. There's a mile to it. And I even agreed in the, it, what we have now, Mahasham just came out yesterday, I just got the copy of the last Chalik of the Arisachu from the Shirum that we did. Volume 4 just came to America uh, hmm? of Arisachu. So at the end of every parak, there's a main point to think about. That was not my idea. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I'm happy that it's there because it's it's good it's a good thing it's a good thing, and I wanted people to have it. But I never ever could have done such a thing. 
said, okay, why not pull, pull the cover off? But that's a good, that's, it's, it's a hush of a thing. Because people need to, like, put it together. <clears throat> but it's a different mahalach. And that's what Fuk is saying. Like you tell a kid, One of the saddest things for me is this time of the year. I look forward to the Yom Nirayim very, very much. But I'm so sad about the kids going back to school. It just makes me sad. It makes me sad. When I had little kids, I don't know if I was that sad. I was happy that they went back to school. <laughs> but now, so, so we were in the, like when we were in the mountains last last week in the mountains, and and everybody was Sunday. You know, everybody had to take the little kids. Everybody had to go back. The mostly where we are, they were young families, and they had to go back to the city to get the kids' heads checked for nits. You know, the girls. Like, that's an important thing. You have to have your have to have your head checked. So, so the place was like everybody was leaving. And I was walking with my wife, and, and the place was so sad, because until then there were thousands of children playing and running, and now it was like scooters that were left, and balls, and little dolls along the side. And there was one little girl that was walking, they didn't leave yet, and she was walking by herself, and she was singing to herself. Every, every, every day at around 7 o'clock, there's an, there's an ice cream, there are two ice cream trucks that come. Is a litvisher and a chassidish. <laughs> Telling you the truth, they both sell only chalvisa, but there's a litvisher and a chassidish. Those who are in the country know what I'm talking about. So the litvisher truck, they play, you know, they play music. They, they play music. So the litvisher truck comes and plays a song. Come to make a bracha, a bracha, a bracha. To, it makes me crazy the whole summer. That. Come to make a. And then they'll also say, come to Macha Brach, because they go to the Chesedja camps also, so they want that they should come to the ice cream truck. <coughs> come to Macha Brach, Brach. So this little girl was walking, all the adults were like putting their, they were packing the cars and their bicycles and scooters and things, and this little girl was just walking, holding it down, and she was saying, come to Macha Brach, Brach. She was singing to herself. And I felt so sad. I said, oh, yeah. I said to my wife, Poor kid, she's going to be back like in Brooklyn someplace. <laughs> and, and like, like in two days from now, she's going to be sitting in a, in a classroom with some teacher telling her to stop looking there and stop talking. And stop and put your head in there, put your finger on the place. And, and she's going to be trying to hum. She's going to be sitting there saying, Come to me. And be quiet. <laughs> Come to me. <laughs> Finish. The song is over. It's no? It's such a sad time to see that. I know it's crazy. I mean, of course it's good. Ah, so children have to have an education, but I'm not, I'm not anti-education. It's good for them to have education. But it's not kishmak, you know what I mean? It's not kishmak to take a kid out of the out of the country, out of the woods. If somebody would teach them there, they'd learn much better than they'd learn in a building. Take him out and put him into a room, and the whole thing is already calculated and... Now they get. Now we have the curriculum. Now is the curriculum time. The whole summer was no curriculum. It was just unfettered. Machshavim of One day Hashem is going to show us how much we killed our children. How much we murdered them in our institutions. We took away from them the, the sweetest years of their lives with, the, with the, all these curriculums, what we did to our children while we were educating them. And we killed our children. She is going to show us how we killed our children. And we'll, we'll, have, we'll start again. And we'll be all in our cell and we'll breathe. This Avira that Rav Cook is talking about. It's an Avira of our cell. Evshel is half machshav mushet is lanir chasechel and seal asa pulasim bimenucha bimenucha. Bimenucha. I met an old woman that was. Uh, an old woman that was from the Mishpach of the Pisats in the Kodesh. I met her once after I gave a shir on the west, in the west side of Manhattan. He had a Mishpach there. And I met this old woman, 
And I, and during the year, I spoke about something in the Rebbe. And she came up to me afterwards, and she said that she's a was a niece or something. I don't know. Mishpacha, close mishpacha. And she said, she said that. So of course I heard her said this. So tell me, so you remember? So she said about the Pizetzna, about the about the Rebbe Eishkard. She said also something like he was so unique, he was so unique, and she had this look in her eyes, and then she said, he used to take all of us, the Rebbe would take all of us, I, mean, I guess the grandchildren, the nieces, I don't know, nephews, he would take the kids, and he would go with us into the woods, and he would talk to us about what Hashem, that Hashem made beautiful things, and he would tell us stories and teach us brachas, how to make a bracha, what it means to burn the fushes. This is what the woman told me. What it means to burn the fushes, kindlach. And he would say the bracha out loud, and they would make a bracha together on the fruit. And he would, and he would say, "This you could eat this kind of fruit. You shouldn't eat, but this is good to eat." And he would make a bracha and say, "Now let's make." That. And then he would sing with them the gunim in the forest. Hmm. She remembered that. This like ninety-year-old woman, but this, I don't know if she remembered whatever she learned in class. But she remembered the. The tiulim with the with the rabbi in the in the forest that she remembered. The machshavas mufshatus of life, when you're able to breathe a little bit, even in Poland, someplace, the accursed place of Poland, to breathe in a little air of of because it's possible. He explains. In in Eretz Yisrael, one can be confident. That as long as the person's intention is proper, is pure. In other words, a person who is a mavakish Hashem, and his and his eyes and his heart is. He wants to get closer to Hashem, then we could be confident that even though these thoughts are not concrete, they're abstract and they're unfettered. That that everything that he's saying and that he's writing is coming. That there's a spirit from above that has that has been awakened and aroused within him, and that's where this is coming from. Of course, again, it has to be a person who's. Person who's, who's bemis, bemis is a shemamitzvah, is looking for God, and so on and so forth. All the proper conditions are needed, but then you can be confident that that what is that what is awakened in him in him is a ruach from above. It's something that's coming from a higher place, from beyond. And then afterwards, of course, says Achakach. Afterwards, this is autobiographical. This is of course about himself. And Achakach moitzim kol hagyonis miirim ba'is yisera shal teresh b'chsav shvalpe. And then afterwards, he could find the words in teresh b'chsav and teresh shvalpe how this is expressed. Oh, it's afterwards. First is the machshav muvshatis, the unfettered, uncluttered, menuchedike, abstract, hergish. That that is a that is some mixture of shemaim and aruz, and then achakach. That's the first, achakach, and then afterwards, then it finds letters. Then it could be put already into. Eventually, it could be put into letters of tarshav v'sav and tarshavopa. Tarshav v'sav and Afterwards, it first comes without letters, without oisias. Doesn't have oisias, like a nigan without words. So there are people that they have a hard time with a nigan without words. Doesn't have yet the oisias. The tzaddikim were very, very big on that. But the nigan, that, that when you put it, when you put the nigan later into words, that already that's already a tzimtzum of the nigan. You understand? You're mitzamtzum the nigan. You're already constricting it and shrinking the nigan, and you're putting it into specific words. First, there's a nigan. First, there's a nigan. You see, nowadays there's so little relationship between the words and the nigan. You know what I'm talking about. The words in the nigan, the new songs. Like now, I go to simchas. I'm going to bar mitzvahs, and I hear. I don't know. I'm trying to listen to what the words are. 
and the words have nothing to do with the bump the bump with, with the music. It doesn't have anything to do with the The nigan has nothing to do with the words. The words are words of like that, that of kedusha, but the the nigan is a nigan from from the jungle, mamish, and like they have no relationship to the to the to the words. Like two different people. Like there's one person that may that has the sound, and there's another person that does the words. A nigan, a nigan is a very high thing. A real nigan of kedusha. Now, these are all not the gun of kedusha. These are stam people trying to. It's not. It's not the gun of kedusha. But a nigan of kedusha. So the nigan, the nigan itself, has an existence before it can come into Isis. So, the Balmanagin, who's a Balruah HaKadosh, like David HaMelech, so then, then, he can try to, afterwards, he can try to find the Isis, the letters. And, and that the Isis should somehow, some in some small way, the Isis should somehow hold this nigan, reflect this nigan, express this nigan. The Isis are later. The letters are later. First there's a Nigan. First there's a Hisairus of Ruha Kaidish. And that's not yet it's still so abstract it can't be put into 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 words. It can't be yet in, in the Kalim. It's an R. It can't yet be in a Kli. Only afterwards the Iris are put into Kalim of Isis. And and many times they can't be. They can't be. And the Iris are put into Kalim. The Nigunim, the songs, it doesn't even, it's not even right to call them Nigunim now. There's this noise that's being made. With the music now, with the, all these musicians. There was a Simcha recently, and there was a guy that was, that was going on, couldn't talk to anybody, was gargling for two hours on the microphone. Such nonsense. The words, I try to figure out the words, and I hear that they're words from, from Tanakh, and words, I mean, they're not his own songs, I guess he's sing, singing somebody. And, and, and maybe he did, I don't know, maybe they're his own songs. They all sound exactly the same, I don't know the difference between one song and the other. But there's the, they're not Nagunim. They're not Nagunim. They're just mimicking non-Jewish music. It's not a Nigan. A nigan is an ur, it's a light. It's mislabish and oasis sometimes. Many times it's not mislabish and oasis. It doesn't come to oasis at all. No one's ever going to put the Alter Rebbe's nigan into words. Whoever does that should be sent to jail. <laughs> the Alter Rebbe's nigan can't be put into words, such a nigan. Can't put that into words. <coughs> it doesn't have oasis, no oasis in Tershav, Echsav, and Tershav, and Pef, such a nigan. The Medicine is nigan. These Nagunim, they don't have, you can't put into oasis. Somebody told me that he, that, that, um, that Shlomo Kalabach, that he was, that he was, that he was, Davin Vidyom at some place, and he, and he, and he, did Lucha Daidi, Kabbal Shabbos, to one of his Nagunim. So there's a guy that had the chutzpah came up to Shlomo afterwards, and he said, he said, that's not, uh, that's not the right song. <laughs> he says, Shlomo Kavah says, what do you mean it's not the right song? He said, no, no, it's, uh, the nigan goes to other words. That's not the, that's not the right. Shlomo Kavah says, do me a favor, that's my nigan. And I put it to any words I want to, you understand? <laughs> it's my nigan. People stole so much from Shlomo Kavah that they forgot that he, those are all his nagun. He says, that's my nigga, and I'm going to put it to L'chadayi. If I want to put L'chadayi, I'll put L'chadayi. You want to put the Oydi Shami, put Oydi Shami. But it's, I can do whatever I want with my nigga. Right now, I feel that it belongs in L'chadayi. That's all. Maybe tomorrow, I'll, I'll go back to Oydi Shami. But right now, I feel that it belongs in L'chadayi, because it's Kabbalah Shabbos. And the nigga came to me, and I wanted to be in, in Kabbalah Shabbos. He was very much a, 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 an, an abstract person, Shlomo Kalba. That's putting it very lightly. <laughs> very abstract. Very unfettered. So, the Oasis come later. The Oasis, Tarek Shabbat 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 Peh. 
I told you every El, I mentioned how, how Rav Cook used to learn Aris at Shuva. His own cipher. He used to learn Aris at Shuva every El. He would sit there with Aris at Shuva and he was like, his own cipher. He was like, so, he, so somebody asked him something. He said, I said oh, every year I see Mamish new things in the cipher. It's like a Valdiga cipher. Every year I see something new in the cipher. In his own cipher. So I see is something else. The Nigan. That's that's Eretz Yisrael. Esau begins with the Machshavim of Shatas, and then when you calm down and you land, so at some point you could put into Eretz But that's already a calculated. That's already a Machshava. It's calculated. It already means it's losing something in the translation. Like we feel that when you read the Navi, you feel that it's losing something in the in the words. Like if we would be there with Yeshaya Navi, going back to what I said about Rav Cook, we would all cash our kitchens afterwards. So it's, although it's a pella that the Nevi'im was crying and screaming and people didn't change. That's all of the generation, of course. But nowadays, if we, if we meet Yeshaya Navi, like, we all cash our kitchens. But there's something else going on. And the ICS is like the last stop. The letters... That's the, that's the last stop of, the, of, a, of a journey that began from way, way higher. Chutzlaretz is different. In Chutzlaretz, the Machshava has to have Gedorim, PowerPoints. Lihigodim means clearly defined, concrete, a getter's offense. Chutzlaretz demands such a way of thinking that it has to be with Gedar. In Chutzlar, it's Faket. In Chutzlar, you begin with the Oisius. You're building with bricks, with the letters and with the words and the sentences. You're building to prepare that, to prepare that thought. You know, there are many Chassidish Rebbes that they never, ever prepared what they said. They never prepared that They would walk in and they would ask, they would say, that... They saw this by, the, by, by Rabbi Yankel, by other tzaddikim, that they would come in and they would ask guests to say over a medrash from the parishes, look at this medrash of Pasi. And then the tzaddik would, and then he would go. There are many, many tzaddikim. The Torahs came in such a way. Most of the Talmud Yibosham, the Torahs were not, like they sat during the week and they brought up the Torah. Was they came and there was Hezgalus and they said Torah. And afterwards, the Oisius, sometimes the Rebbe himself did the Oisius, most of the time with the, one of the Chassidim did the Oisius. But it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like the, the like like, like Rebbe Nachman said. You know, he sat down. And he said, "I'm gonna. I want to write a best-selling. You know, I'm gonna have the best blog in 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 Russia. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not Rebbe Nachman. Rebbe Nachman, you know that he used to walk in the street and he would all of a sudden stop in the street, and he would stand in one place and his eyes would go, his eyes would turn white, and then people would start to call out and they would come there and people would gather around and that's how he said his stories. He'd be in the middle of nowhere, and he would just stop." And then, they would, and then they would, sometimes they would be, he'd be in a wagon, and they would be going somewhere. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, Nachman would start to talk, and Rabbi Nelson would listen, and that's afterwards would write down. The Oisius were later. In Chutzlar, it's the Machshav, is a Machshav that begins with Oisius. Letters and words. The letters build the thought. Oh, it goes, it gets built up. Not that it begins with a mashav, and then you got to figure out what was that, and put it into words. No, first you figure it out with words and letters, and then it comes to hopefully climbs. So you build the mashav up, bottom from bottom up. In Eretz Yisrael, it's top to bottom, and in the Chutz it's from bottom up. And afterwards, Yesh Tikva ki Kedusha Savir, the Eretz Yisrael, Taifiya Alamachshava. Then you dive in and you hope that the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael should somehow make contact with these words. You should be Zaycha that these are true words and good words, and that the Avir, the, the, Avir, the air of Eretz Yisrael, should make contact, even though you're in, in Poland or somewhere in Russia or in America, that the Avir of Eretz Yisrael, or in Bovel, that the Avir of Eretz Yisrael should make contact with these words. Taifiya Alamachshava. In Chutzlar, that it should somehow connect to these words, that you built up a beautiful Torah, and that it should connect to it. 
to add holy fruit from that hidden place in Shemayim, from that place in Shemayim. And the hidden light will send forth its lightning, its, its, its thunder, its lightning. That the hidden light that from Shemayim will, that you'll be zarecha, that, that your words in Chutzarets will be struck by a bolt of lightning that comes from Shemayim. But in Eretz Yisrael, it begins with the lightning, you understand? Eretz Yisrael, it's lightning. And then afterwards, you, it, it, it develops from, from top down into machshavas that are concrete. But in the Chutzlar, it begins with concrete, not as not abstract, concrete, machshavas, and then if it's true Torah and the Yid is a learning Torah l'shma, it's an elchi Yid, then he can be zayichet that 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 those words that he built and the thoughts that he built that are more man-made, man-made thoughts, that then it, it should be struck by a bolt that meets it from Shemayim, that gives it stamp and says good, good gezuk, you said a good thing, and you said a good thing, then the Baruch Hashem gives a stamp on it. And it becomes Kaidish. He said a good thing. And Echisel is the other way. Echisel begins with the light. And it forms into words later on. In Chutzlar, it begins with words. And hopefully, Kulehai, it's a it's to receive the light of, of Echisel. To receive the light of Echisel. That's the difference between thinking thinking here and thinking there. Uh, the page that you got from Arisa Kaidish, please, if you could put it inside your Eretz Chayfet so we so we don't have to look for it next week, because that's going to help us a lot, Mitzvah Shem, to understand what we're learning. Good Shabbos, I'll lift the Shabbos. What we do, the cipher came up last year. The name of the street was from the top of that. Ace Kaidis? Yeah. It's a biography of the Tasha. It's a biography. More about, more, more about his, his and his essence, not the Moifus, but more about his whole life. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't do too much. It's mostly, I don't do too much. It's mostly hearsay. I gotta find out how to send this. Okay.